Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. I'm Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Together, we're the founders of Good Egg Investments and creators of the Real Estate Accelerator. We help real estate investors and syndicators build their brands, find the right investors for their deals, and scale their businesses so they can do more and bigger deals. We believe that everyone has the power to make an impact through raising capital and helping people achieve financial freedom through real estate. We invite you to join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can amplify our impact together. We know you're going to love this episode. And hey, be sure to stick around to the end of the show because we're going to reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing real estate podcasts on the planet. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to another incredible episode of Real Estate Syndication Spotlight by Good Egg Investments. I am your host, Rye, and I am excited to dive in deep with another real estate syndication expert. And today we will be blessed with Andreas Johansson. Andreas, thank you so much for joining Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. Hey, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, I I have connected with you, Andreas, on LinkedIn, and I have been able to, you know, see some of the amazing entrepreneurial projects that you've worked on. And so I would love for you to just quickly introduce to the audience, you know, some of the projects that uh, you are participating in and, and what you're doing with those. Right. Okay. Uh -huh. So yeah, obviously, you know, real estate's my main thing, uh, but I'm sure we'll get there Um Eventually, right? You know, we do most of our stuff is here in the U.S. We actually uh, we sell properties primarily to big syndicates and, and investment funds from not just the U.S. but you know primarily American funds. Um, we're a big developer in Belize, um, Caribbean slash Central American market. Um, I own a minor league pro hockey team, uh, the Watertown Wolves. Uh, I started a, a vodka company with my partner Dennis Rodman. Uh, I've been fortunate to to work and and still work today with uh, some of the most famous athletes in the country, um, as well as outside of the country, I guess, as as partners and investors. Um, and yeah, I've invested in a lot of things. I've made money and I've lost money. So uh, I've been through uh, been through a couple of things for sure, like you said. Absolutely. And did real estate kind of kick off your entrepreneurial journey, or were you an entrepreneur that got into real estate? Uh, I would say it was it was a bit of both, really. Um, I had my uh, my finger in a couple different things. You know, I I got into business pretty young. Uh, I would say 2006, 2007. I was 21, 22 years old, and and back then it didn't matter what you were doing; you were making money, right? Because you were you know right before the crash came. So I was involved with a few different things, but then subsequently, when the kind of crash of the economy happened, that's when real estate kind of became my main, uh, my main business. You know, I was over um, in England at the time. And because obviously I was doing real estate in the US, uh, when the market tanked, the, the British pound was still very strong compared to the dollar. So we ended up, I ended up creating this business selling uh, US investment property and kind of secondary Midwestern markets to European investors. And, and uh, that's kind of where when it really became my, my main thing, you know, and I like I've said, I've done a couple of things 
in the meantime. And obviously running a, you know, owning a sports team takes up time, but you know, it, real estate, you keep coming back to it, right? Like you, you, you're gonna, it's always going to be there in some form. I mean, I, I think my, my business today looks different in terms of how it did five, six years ago in terms of how I try to spend my time. But, but certainly, yeah, it's, it's, I would say it's certainly everything I have today is thanks to, um, you know, going into this business and, and sticking through it. Right. So at 21, what, what took you into this? What education did you find really like, how did you get that confidence to say, this is what I'm going to do? Confidence was never really a problem for me. Um, as far as the knowledge, I mean, the, the good thing with real estate is it's not, you know, if you look at the very basics of it, it's not a very complicated business to learn. I mean, it, if you're good with numbers, you know, like all of my investors back then, just like today, are, are primarily driven by cash flow. So all I really, really had to do was identify where I can get the best cash flow for the lowest amount of dollar. Um, and that's really kind of where where we started from. Um, in terms of education and learning the business, you know, like you you pick up a lot um, from the people around you. And obviously, you sadly learn from your mistakes. So like I would say the first few years were definitely little little different from how it is today but you know, you you, you kind of learn from everything that goes on around you that's amazing because when I was 21 I very similarly you know I, I left university and I, I started a business it was different I was in the in the film industry and I took over a drive-in movie theater but there's oh, no there's no blueprint for a 21 year old entrepreneur. And so I feel like a lot of it is just jumping in and, and, you know, having the, either the confidence or not knowing, you know, how hard something is going to be, I think is how so many people get into things. It's funny. I was doing an interview actually last week and we talked about this and they were kind of asking me, do you think it was, you know, like a hindrance for you to be so young? I said, no, I think it's actually the opposite because yes, you're naive, but it actually kind of helps you like some of the stuff you look back and you kind of cringe at like, man, what did I say? What did I, who did I think I was, you know, but when you're young like that, you don't have a ton of obligations. Like I'm not saying I couldn't start this firm today, but you know, I was traveling maybe every other week between the UK and the U S or I was going a lot to Australia and Asia. You know, I I have a young son today, um, wife, dogs, you know, and, and other commitments. I'm not saying you can't do it when you're older. Of course you can, but the energy levels I had at 21, like as soon as we had a baby, like that's done. Like I, I can't do the 12, 14 hour days anymore. So how do you maximize your days? I think I've gotten really good at prioritizing, like rather than, you know, the endless kind of to-do list and then thinking, okay, I have to get through all this. I just kind of focus on what are the most important tasks right now. And um, the one thing that took me the longest, and I'm still struggling with it, but I'm getting better, is, you know, hiring people and delegating where you say, okay, I I cannot do everything and I got to trust somebody else to do it. Like once you get over that hurdle and you get comfortable saying, look, I, I have to spend some money and I have to let go of control, which is sometimes a lot harder than the money part. It, it does kind of grow your business to the point where, you know, you still have to work and you still have to to keep an overall kind of control of it. But for me, that was that was a big change, you know, especially um, l- like you mentioned, I've been involved in a couple other things like being in the alcohol business was it's very intense in terms of the personnel and the terms of tasks that you have to do. Owning a sports team is, is 10 times that like it's it's great and it's wonderful. 
and it's 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 not a business in that sense you know it's a community thing and it's a passion but it requires you to really be able to maximize your time I and I I saw that firsthand. Uh, some friends of mine uh, started when the the NBA D League was really kind of opening up and expanding. They had started the the main Red Claws affiliated with the Celtics, and they've since sold to the Celtics. But I that entire entrepreneurial board of advisors that that put it together, really seeing you know how much effort they're putting into their day, and it is it's fueled by passion and love. And so of course it, it requires them having the team team and the investments that allow them to pursue some of those. And so I would love to really explore with you how real estate and syndication specifically has allowed you to kind of free up some time, prioritize your day, and still have all of these things that you enjoy doing, having your family that you love and and support, and then also having the engine that can kind of fuel those things. So I'd love to kind of talk about what a successful syndication deal looks like in your terms, and Andreas. So we're we're kind of on both sides of the table. Like our our main business actually is selling um, bigger portfolios of properties to syndicates. Like a, a typical deal for us, um, we've been very active with uh, retirement funds in Europe. You know that that want to buy real estate in the U.S. Like our niche is portfolios of either large portfolios of of single families or kind of the smaller multifamilies that are a little bit bigger than you know the mom and pop investor doesn't buy them but they're too small for like the wall street guys. So we buy those and we sell them in big packages to um, really anybody. I mean, most of our clients have been retirement funds, but we have, we have syndicates and we have groups of high net worth individuals to come together and they tell us, Hey, we, we want to deploy whatever it is, you know, whatever the amount of money is, it, it, you know, really depends on the client and what we're looking to get out of it is, you know, our, our, focus is on the high yield. I mean, if we can provide growth, that's that's great, but we're in markets that are really driven by uh, by income. Um, a lot of the stuff we do is Section 8 rents. So um, we primarily sell actually to other guys that syndicate, but we've also syndicated deals, uh, uh, development deals in Florida, for example. We put together groups together with partners that we go out and we raise money. Uh, we buy big tracts of land. We go through kind of the engineering subdivision phase and then we resell it to a builder which obviously that's been a tremendous business the last five six years i mean i'm not saying that's thanks to us i mean the market's been incredible for that so that's that's been a big help so we've been on both sides you know obviously um syndicating um raising money it allows you to get the best of both worlds i mean you get capital and also if you if you do it right you get smart money right guys that could also help you further and and get to where you want to go so um, obviously, it's it's really the the best model in terms of of funding anything right now. And and as I'm sure you've seen, money is is flowing in real estate more than ever. Despite you know, despite everything that's out there, the volume is you know there there's very few properties available. Prices are still going up, and the demand is is sky high, right? It is. And I saw, you know, markets like where I live, you know, my primary residence is in the Northeast in Maine. And where our locale is to New York and Boston, you know, it really drove the prices 
up in Maine and, you know, put me in a position to maybe turn a property that I, I would have held longer in, in a different economic climate. And so, you know, it's, it is fascinating how, how the world works and, and how real estate works. And as long as you, you do the research and you put the work in, I mean, it, it can be a really powerful tool for so many individuals. And I know that a lot of individuals looking at real estate uh, in syndication, there's so many silos, if you will, in terms of a strong syndication deal. And so I'd love to learn about some of the people on your team that really kind of kind of drive the the success of these deals. Are you doing um, a lot of the the property maintenance or are you really kind of building that portfolio and then and then that's the the revenue stream? Correct. So we, we really that's how we make our money. Like we buy in bulk we have hundreds of contractors in our, our main markets where we're active, which is primarily throughout the Midwest. Um, and, and then, you know, we, we take all the properties, we buy in, we put tenants in, we stabilize the rent. Most of what we do, uh, as I mentioned, is Section 8 rentals, just because especially foreign investors tend to, tend to like that more. But even a lot of our American clients have kind of been burned, you know, because keep in mind that the real high yielding stuff that we're doing you're talking kind of the lower end of the market. So with with a, a, a cash tenant, if you so wish, you know, it, it can be a little risky. So we tend to go primarily section eight. So our our model is we buy these, uh, we sell them on. I mean, in some in some markets, we do have sort of in-house property management where we set up the management company and those people work sort of indirectly for us, you know, just because I think, as I'm sure you've seen, property management is it can be a big challenge to find a right manager that you can trust. And again, especially like, I think one reason we've been successful is because we can work at the real low end of the market where most companies don't really want to go there. Um, but our, our biggest challenge is always finding the right property management to, to keep the, the asset performing in the long run. Mm, yes, because I mean, it takes takes the the boots on the ground, if you will, to to really make sure that the engine the engine stays flowing and and everything's good. And of course, you want to put together a property that's good for your tenants as well. So you know, course, yeah. there's so much that goes into it. The, and that that's a big part of it. You know, like when we buy these properties, we try to really um, bring them up to a higher standard than you know just the bare minimum, right? Like obviously we're we're smart enough to know not to over-improve on something. You know, you still have to build it for the market. Um, but the, the truth is most cities, um, they're very short of high quality property at the low end, simply because a lot of landlords kind of take advantage of the situation and they know I'm going to get a tenant anyway. Like, why would I fix this? Uh, someone's going to move in. We don't, we don't do that. Like we try to really build a long-term relationship um, and one beauty of, of the Section 8 program, again, I mean, it certainly has its downsides, but the tenants tend to stay a very long time. So if you if we get somebody in there, we have properties we sold 10 years ago, it still has the same tenant, you know, because number one, there's not a lot of mobility because there's only so much inventory. And number two, if you treat them right, they're, they're not going to go anywhere. Exactly. So when I when I think of what real estate has done for individuals, and some people it's it is their business and, and that's the, the crutch of it. But then for so many, I have found that, especially syndication, it's allowed this freedom. And as an entrepreneur, you're trying to balance your business and, and your young family. And so I would love to learn about how real estate has, has allowed flexibility for your life, if it has. 
No, of course it has. I mean, other than just the business side of things, I mean, obviously we've bought property for ourselves. And and like you said, we've invested also passively in other syndicates. I mean, I think, you know, and I don't have stats for this and obviously I'm biased, but real estate really is the best way. Like I always tell this to people, like you don't have to invest with me that if you want to, that's great. If you don't, that's also great. Sure. But long-term the way that real estate can build wealth for just an average person, like forget about, you don't have to be a superstar entrepreneur. You don't have to be making really excessive income. Long-term buying property or finding a way to get exposure to it, whether that's a syndicate or a REIT or anything else where you can get a little bit of leverage on your money. uh, It's truly the best way for you to build long-term wealth. And we're no different. I mean, it allows us to accelerate our income without really having to work for it. Sure. Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. And before we we wrap up today, Andreas, I'm really, I, one of the things I love to do is our audience is so balanced between, you know, just seasoned professionals and those really exploring and trying to take notes and educate themselves on, on strong deals, how to analyze deals, put deals together. But one thing that I always love to share is I feel like we get so much value out of the challenges, out of the obstacles, out of those first couple of deals that that did not go well. So I would love, if you don't mind, to just kind of break down maybe like one or two of the kind of those most significant learnings that that you learned maybe once and you never have to learn them again. Well, I probably, I think in my case, you know, without it being anything too extreme. I mean, I think the thing that in general you have to look for is uh, make sure you do your due diligence, you know, make sure everything, I can't even tell you the number of times back in the day we'd buy property with sitting tenants in there. And as soon as you take it over, you realize these guys aren't paying, like this lease was not real. Like this, this isn't going anywhere. Just be careful, you know, in terms of what you do as far as your due diligence. as, as a new investor too, like I think if, if you're just getting into the game, sometimes I feel, cause I, I run into this too. Like people ask me for my advice on stuff and I'm always happy to help, but unless you kind of know what you want, like it's very difficult to, to really advise you. Cause I, I think when you want to get in, I, I think if you find your strategy that you want to use after that, you're, you're good to go. Like I see, I see both sides and I'm sure you see it. Like I see some guys that they know what they want to do. And three years later, they still haven't done anything because they, they almost get paralyzed by the number of options. Sure. But I also see it the other way where maybe somebody buys, uh, you know, they'll buy a piece of land from us in Belize. Then the two years later, they want to cash in because they never thought of like, this is a long-term investment. You know, this isn't really for cash flow. This is for growth. So, I mean, I think that's more something you can learn from. And that's something that maybe for me in the past, I've learned, you know, not just in real estate, but with other things where I've invested in businesses or I've even started businesses. And I realized like this, the risk level is too high for me, or, you know, the risk level is low, but it's moving too slowly. So I think just get to know yourself and, you know, figure out what you're comfortable with. But certainly, I mean, we're dealing, we've been doing, thousands of deals in Detroit, Cleveland, St. Louis. I mean, we ran into our fair share of like, oh yeah, we should have, should have just left that one alone. You know, that, that happens all the time, you know, and especially when you're buying stuff, you know, for us, it's a little different because sometimes we have to buy property that we haven't seen. Right. So then it could really be a can of worms. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And so with thinking about some of the different you know, locations and when you're analyzing all of these things, one of the things that we get asked a lot is, you know, how do you put together or how do you pitch investors, right? You've done the analysis, you've put together, you know, what you think is like, oh, this is, this is a really worthwhile investment. This is going to be great for the business. This is going to be great for our investors where are the investors, you know, do you have any tips, you know, for those individuals that are just starting out about how to approach investors, you know, how to, how to make that pitch. And cause I feel like so many people, like it's not so much about making the pitch. It's that maybe they haven't done it before. I mean, I, I think, um, first of all, the numbers are the most important, like certainly for us, I mean, dealing with primarily professional investors, I mean, the numbers get scrutinized. So you got to make sure that you've got that taken care of. And then if you're syndicating a deal or if you're a partner in a deal, just make sure that you kind of cover all the basis. You know, if if you're doing a development or something, make sure that you have qualified professionals that can really help you. Or if you're in our business, make sure that you have a property manager. You can say, look, this is the next step. It's going to go here. Or you have a good contract or whatever it is. Make sure you cover all the bases. And then the other thing, honestly, is don't be too afraid to get out there. I mean, don't, don't start pitching for for big money from from necessarily professional investors right off the, the bat, and obviously make sure that we have to say this right. Make sure you you know comply with all the regulations and all this stuff, you know. And don't don't pay a lawyer a hundred grand to tell you that, you know. Just kind of make yourself aware and you know, what you're doing, but then don't be afraid to get out there and talk to people, you know. Like you, you'll be amazed at what you'll what you'll learn just from people around you. And you know, like we said, real estate's a great wealth builder and a lot of people are utilizing that. So you never know who around you actually might be able to help you out. Exactly. I think so much of real estate success really comes from the network, the peers and the mentors that we individually kind of build around us because there is, there are so many individuals that we all have a, our unique spin on, on a deal or a niche within this. Um, but it really comes down to a team that you can trust that trust you. And you really, you have each other's back at the end of the day. Cause if you're doing the due diligence, the numbers really should help tell that story yeah uh, exactly that's it and always you know if you're if you're starting out like one thing i did early on that maybe would have you know i could have done it even faster you know sometimes you get a little bit greedy with the numbers right like you want to keep and of course you want to make as much as possible for yourself but make sure that you know if you're not really in a position to put money in when you start out you have to acknowledge that like you take no risk and i mean yes you're gonna do supposedly the work but investors know that you're a beginner and I know, Hey, if if this doesn't work, I'm going to have to step in. So you want to make sure that you make it attractive enough for yourself and for the investors. Cause if you do right by them, I mean, most of the investors I dealt with when I started out are still here, you know, like right by them, they'll stick with you and there is no limit to, to what you'll be able to accomplish for yourself and them, you know, cause as we know, this industry um, has its ups and downs, but for the most part, if you do it right, there, there's a lot of money to be made. Mm, brilliant tips and, and some really impactful value, Andreas. Thank you for sharing that. For the oh, audience, for the audience tuning in at, at home right now, whether they're listening or, or watching us, what is the best way for them to continue to follow you and, and stay connected on your journey? Uh, my, my personal website is Andreas, A-N-D-R-E-A-S, B for Bravo, Johansson, J-O-H-A-N, ssom.com 
uh, go on there and, and you know, uh, you can connect with me there. Uh, LinkedIn, um, I'm Andreas B. Johansson. I think I'm on, uh, I think my, my title on there now is the owner of the Watertown Wolves hockey team. Cause right. that tends to be more interesting for people for some reason than real estate. <laughs> um, but yeah, I look forward to connecting with your audience and, you know, anything we can do. I mean, we sell to a lot of big clients, you know, if anybody's looking for kind of that, some real high yielding stuff, we, we, we can have a discussion and see if we can help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And for all of you tuning in right now, thank you for joining myself and Andreas as we explored his journey and entrepreneurial journey of real estate syndication and in the value that real estate can bring you. And so again, we're just very grateful to Andreas. You know, thank you so much. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And to all of you, we're always grateful for you tuning in to Real Estate Syndication Spotlight by our friends at Good Egg Investments. And of course, follow us, check us out online, and check out our show notes. And we'll have all of the links to connect to Andreas, to connect with us and the entire team here at Good Egg. And we'll see you on the next episode of Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. If you are a real estate investor or syndicator who would like to be on this podcast, please visit syndicationspotlight.com. And please also join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can connect with you and learn more about you. And if you got something out of this episode, we'd love it if you could subscribe to this show and give us a rating and review. We promise to read your feedback and take action to continue to make this show even better and more valuable for the real estate syndication community. My name is Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a part of the real estate syndication spotlight community.